I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship with your host, Claudia Pauls. Welcome to this episode. This morning, we have a panel of experts with us who will be discussing Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which is April, and also lots of other information that they'll be sharing with us. So if our panel could introduce themselves this morning. Hi, I'm Deborah Hackworth, Director of Advocacy Services. Hi, I'm Rose Ludwig, Executive Director for Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. And my name is Elizabeth Alderson, and I'm a licensed master's social worker and therapist at DASIS. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Hello. <laughs> I think we're going to start with what is Sexual Assault Awareness Month? And, Deborah, I believe you get to go first. Yes, um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month um, is a nationally recognized um, movement that was um, officially started in 2001 to bring awareness to sexual assault that's going on around um, the country and the world. It's actually a pandemic that reaches um, far and wide. And so in 2001, it was officially um, recognized to bring education, prevention, and awareness. There's agencies like um, Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services who's been working to bring prevention and education about this matter long before 2001, but we are more than thankful for the national and international recognition of it in 2001 because it puts uh, more power behind the movement. Um, we have a set time where people will stop and pay attention to um, this really important subject. And so having awareness, obviously, you're planning on that leading to prevention and, and help for victims who are struggling in that situation. Absolutely. It's hard to bring um, a prevention and to end sexual assault when no one wants to talk about it. And it's a taboo subject that no one wants to talk about. And so um, having this platform of an awareness month means that we're going to talk about it in some way and somehow, and it can't be just swept under the carpet or ignored. Um, and so we're thankful that it's here. Are there certain activities or, or programs, things that you do to draw attention to that awareness month? Yes, uh, during the month of April, we'll be doing various um, 
prevention and outreach activities. We have a couple of things going on in the, in the local community colleges. We have a Take Back the Night scheduled, which is a rally for um, survivors of sexual assault to come out and uh, have, a voice. have a voice, speak out um, about their experiences and um, their desire to um, take back control of their lives. Um, we have one in each college set up, one in um, Southwest Michigan College in Dwajak, and then another one set up at Glen Oaks Community College. Um, we also have, um, we'll have some movie viewing nights on the subject of sexual assault. Um, locations are to be determined on that. But you can always check out our website for those upcoming activities. We also recognize uh, National Denim Day, which is a, um, an awareness day. Um, where women will wear jeans for the day because in Italy it was a Supreme Court overturned a rape conviction case because the individual was wearing jeans and the judge stated that we all know that a person who's wearing jeans cannot be raped they have to assist in the oh my in goodness the rape. so um, it's nationally recognized to wear jeans on that day just as a it, it's internationally recognized to wear jeans on that day. For what, what is the date? It is um, April 24th. April 24th. April 24th is the day that's recognized, but we reach out to community or organizations, businesses, schools, um, service clubs, churches, and ask people to wear jeans, and we give them a sticker to wear that says, ask me why I'm wearing jeans. Mm -hmm. So that's you know, a DASIS activity. So it gives us an opportunity to go into these places and explain what Denim Day is and why we recognize it. So that's one of our bigger events in Sexual Assault Awareness Month. For a lot of people, Denim Day is an easy social, you know, statement that they can make. A lot of organizations will join us and all their staff world will wear denim or in some people it, they'll be the only person in their office wearing denim and having this sticker and so it really shows like this is an easy way to say I support survivors and not making a huge platform or feeling like you're going to get a lot of questions or you know, cause a lot of people feel um, like it's hard to talk about this taboo subject that they're going to get a lot of negative responses back um, and so this is an easy way you know you just wear jeans and you wear a sticker um, and it's an easy social movement to be a part of and saying there's solidarity in this and we've seen it grow over the years more and more people join DASIS and other organizations that partake in this Denim Day and you see them um, using social media and using hashtags and, and posting whole pictures. I mean, oh, we had an organization last year where the whole group wore jeans and they posted it on their own social media saying they're supporting DASIS, they're supporting sexual assault survivors wherever they may be. And so that small impact of a sticker in jeans really has a huge impact when you share it with your community. Right, when a great way to educate people on not only the month itself, but also then those further conversations about, okay, so now we're aware, what steps are we going to take going forward from there? Mm -hmm. and, and, and sadly, we've seen it here in the U.S., so we know that this happened in the 90s in Italy, but we see it in America all the time, where it's, what was she wearing? Mm -hmm. And, oh, she shouldn't have worn that. That's why this happened to her. And so it joins that whole movement, and so more and more people join this, well, I'm wearing jeans. You know, most of us today are wearing jeans. Mm -hmm. Does that discount my ability, you know, to say no? Does that discount my choice? No, it doesn't. And it sounds so simple 
simple when we say that now, but we could look on social media today and we're going to find people saying, what was she wearing or what was he wearing? Well, just the whole progression of how women have been uh, considered, whether it's, you know, a long time ago as property or having no rights or not being able to vote or not being able to wear particular things or have a job or all of those kinds of things. So um, many things are are changing and improving and this needs to come along with everything else, I would assume. Um, maybe that's the next question is how do you then define sexual assault? Sexual assault is anytime anyone does anything of a sexual nature where there is not um, consent, informed consent. And consent is... Well, maybe you should d define that one as well. Okay. Informed consent? I informed mean, consent is when someone knows exactly what they're consenting to and they're able to consent. Here in the state of Michigan, um, someone who is under the age of 16 cannot give consent. Someone who is physically or mentally impaired cannot give consent. Someone who... Um, is under the influence of alcohol or drugs cannot give consent. I never knew that until yes. right now. Right. Wow. Yeah. Which frequently is how the situation mm -hmm. arrives, right? Yep. Absolutely. Also, um, with consent, um, it's also being able to say yes when no is an option. A lot of times someone will say yes in cooperation to the sexual act that's going on because they don't feel like no is an option. That is not consent when someone is saying yes just because they have no other choice in the matter. That's For, cooperation. Like perhaps a teacher or an employer or your boss or something Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. Where think... there's a imbalance of power, age, size, um, it's not informed consent. There are many statistics that we should be considering. If you can discuss some of those with us, I think, Elizabeth, that one's going to go to you. Sure. So um, from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, they share a lot of different statistics throughout the nation that they've um, received from different um, places. A lot of places do different surveys um, and so they kind of gather that nationally and share it. So according to the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, one in five women and one in 71 men will be raped at some point in their lifetime. However, one in three women or one in seven men will experience some form of contact of sexual violence. And so it's important to know that those two things are different, that when we talk about sexual assault, it includes any kind of unwanted sexual violence, but rape includes unwanted penetration or oral sex. And so those two things are different. Rape is a part of sexual assault and a part of sexual violence, but you can have experienced sexual assault and sexual violence and never have been raped. Those two terms are different, although very similar. Rape being the most severe form of sexual assault, I would think. I don't like to talk about severity of sexual assault because your experience is your experience. There's no meter because someone being um, stalked, um, the level of fear mm -hmm. that they feel may be just as severe 
or right. just as traumatic as the level of fear and um, trauma that someone who has had a completed rape would also um, experience. And so um, trauma and severity is really based upon that person's um, coping skills and past experiences with sexual assault or rape. I'm glad I used that word because that I'm was a perfect definition. Yes. Right. Wow. I think, too, that it's important to remember and understand that these statistics are based off reported sexual assaults or rapes. So because we know that these incidences are grossly underreported, the statistics are actually probably much higher than what we were just talking about here. And especially around um, male reporting, you know, that was grossly underreported compared to even the way that females report it. And there's a lot of stigma associated with that. You know, when a man or someone who identifies as male experiences sexual assault or sexual violence, including rape or not including rape, that there's a lot of stigma associated with that. Am I now gay because this happened? Am I no longer a man? Are people going to make fun of me? You know, we see it all the time in the media where um, a teacher and a student have a sexual relationship and based on those two genders, you know, it's either, hey, go, look at you, or it's, oh my gosh, that was an awful thing. How dare they do that? Right. And so, and though, if the student was a male, it's... Uh not considered quite as bad as if the student was a female and that is so wrong. Right. And so what we've, you know, what's happened with that is now we have, you know, a whole population of men who have experienced this horrific crime and event that's happened and they've had a difficult time dealing with this trauma just as anyone who's experienced it because but because of the social impact and what society says about this, they go on most of their life without reporting this. And, you know, that's something that we as an agency, we as advocates want to change. We want men and women, anyone to come forward about this, not because we want them to prosecute their their assailants, but because we want them to get hope and help and healing through this process. We want to be there for them and support them. So if it just keeps staying inside, it's never you're never going to heal from it. Absolutely. And at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services, it doesn't matter to us whether the sexual assault happened um, five days ago or 50 years ago. If it's still affecting someone's life and their ability to um, live life wholeheartedly, we want to help you heal from that trauma that you've experienced. So, and you use the word crime, and while all of this is a crime, you're not really focusing on that criminality part as much as the hope and healing that you can offer the victims of these crimes. Absolutely. Correct. Our services don't don't depend on someone going through with the criminal process or not. We're here to support them whether they choose to or whether they not choose to. And so that means that um, the survivors that we work with and our, that our work is impacted by are people who were experienced sexual violence last night and it's people who experienced it 20, 30, and 50 years ago. Um, it's whenever they come forward and seek assistance and help and healing through that process. And that timeline doesn't matter to us either. I think that's a great thing for people to know because that may be part of why 
victims are not reporting because of that fear of well, what's going to happen with the legal system and all of that. And knowing that they can still get help and healing and not have to um, accuse or, or be a part of that whole legal process is, is an inspiration, I would think, and certainly going to offer hope to these folks. Yeah. Now, if it's a sexual assault, um, a completed rape, that has happened um, within the last 120 hours, we are going to um, suggest to that um, victim or survivor that they go and have a rape kit done Mm -hmm. by a sexual assault nurse examiner with the full knowledge that that does not mean that they have to report to the police or follow through with prosecution if they do not want to. But there are so many benefits to going and having that rape kit done, um, the sexual assault nurse examiner will prescribe them antibiotics Mm -hmm. and um, and a morning after pill to prevent um, any unwanted pregnancies or to um, combat any sexually transmitted um, infections that may um, be present because of the completed rape. Well, and if they come to you within that time frame, mm-hmm. not having that done would have way more terrible consequences down the road than having it done. Whether they chose to move forward with the prosecution or not, they, they don't have that chance if they don't get those things taken care of. And anything that could bloom because of not being on an antibiotic mm-hmm. or not getting medical help mm-hmm. would, I mean, you can avert all of that by, by getting the medical help you need while you can when someone has been sexually assaulted, all of their choices, all of their power and control has been taken away from them. And so our job as advocates are to go and let them know um, that they do have choices, that they can um, begin to take back power and control over their life. And this is one option that they have to regain control over their life. Um, Sexual assault is not about sexual um, appetite or someone just going too far um, when they get overly sexually excited. It's about power and control. It's equal to torture. Mm. And so the example that I use is if I go to a Detroit Tigers game and I get a nice bat and I come home and I beat my husband with that bat, not that I would ever do that, but no one would look at me and say, oh, she must really love baseball. Did you <laughs> see the way that she used that bat? No, I have perverted the right. um, purpose of that bat to do what I want to do. And that's what people do when they sexually assault someone. They pervert what rape is. They pervert what sex is supposed to be used for. They turn it into a weapon and they abuse another person. That's so well put. I'm learning so much. This is amazing. We've already learned so much in just our first episode. I would like to thank the panel. I know we're going to be hearing quite a bit more about uh, hope and healing for the sexual assault victims. Uh, Please join us next time as we explore a bit of the Me Too movement. And remember always, you can find the help you need on the website, dasismi.org or their 24-hour hotline 1-800-828-2023. Thank you for listening. 
to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.